The views and opinions represented in this podcast do not reflect those held by AFI. Remember, guys, this podcast is just a bit of crack. So please relax and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. It's Rob from the Domestic Game Podcast. You're usually used to hearing Kelly in this part of the show, but she's off somewhere around Malaysia. So here I am to plug our bit of buy me a coffee. All of the links of which can be found on all of our social media pages or even just get in contact with a member of the show. Hello and welcome to the Domestic Game Podcast where we bring you the insights and stories of all things American football here in Ireland. We're your hosts, Kevin Hart and I'm Robbie Caldwell. Let's get down to it. So, Joe, we've got a very exciting episode today, um, another episode where Kelly has left the boys at home alone and we are just ready to talk ball. Yeah, this is, we're finally here now. It's bowl game season. We've all been kind of waiting for this moment since, what was it, August 9th or something like that, 2019, last Shamrock Bowl. And we thought, oh yeah, it'll be next year, that's grand. Three whole years, three whole years, and we're finally back to another bowl game and Honestly, I'm just glad we've gotten to this point. <laughs> I don't know about you. I know, I know. It's like exciting stuff. Even though three years ago I was in Greece for the uh, the Shamrock Bowl final, I actually streamed that final on my phone on some very dodgy internet outside of a bar in Santorini. This year, however, I will be streaming it outside a bar uh, somewhere in Lisbon. So missing it again after all the absences from the footballing world. But that's just how life goes. So guys, with... The Division 2 and Division 1 bowl games taking place this Sunday, 31st of July at New Forge Sports Complex in Belfast. We thought that we'd bring you a bit of insight and opinions from players and team members from teams who would have played this year's bowl teams. Got there eventually. So with that, we'll bring on a bit of a representative from the Division 2. So everyone, please welcome uh, Lindsay McVeigh and Robbie Walker from the Razorbacks. Hello, how's it going? Yeah, everybody, thank you. So I suppose like, like let's just get straight down to it. Razorbacks, they aren't in the final, although they did have quite the season just passed. These are very unfortunate, just missing out on, it was points against. And I think if you scored like two more, three more points against the Jets, it could have been used in this final. It's been held in your home pitch. I'd say there's parties that are a little bit envious watching the Jets go out to, to the action. Oh, way to stick the boot in, way to stick the boot in. Now, ideally, when we went for this bid, we thought, here, there may be a chance that we'll be in the final, and now we're hosting the thing, but we're not better. We're going to do a really good job of it. It was one of those things It was really unfortunate, but like Robbie will tell you, we went down at the start of the season, and there was maybe, if we had got to the bull, this story would have been sadder. There was like 14... Players, yeah. we didn't really have a playbook. There wasn't really a coaching structure in place for. So for us to get where we got, we kind of were ended up a few seasons ahead of ourselves. So we're happy enough not to be in the bowl. Would have been nice. No, we're not. But... We're devastated. <laughs> 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 let's call. Let's call a spade a spade here. We're devastated. We're not in the bowl. But yeah, two good teams out of the round, so they are. But as Lizzie said, from the number of weeks from where we came down to the club on the progression of the guys and their willingness to learn has been absolutely fantastic. 
on from where they've went from where he started in the short time to now has been fantastic. So it is, and with big things planned for next year. So everything's positive and we're looking good. We're looking, good, looking forward to next year. Phenomenal sort of end into the season and you know you can really see sort of how things progressed throughout the years for you. I think myself and Joe and everyone else can kind of we're expecting to see you in this final now next year. So well done, like and how it's all went. But enough about the Razorbacks because this episode isn't about you. Uh, it is about the final between the Mavericks and the Antrim Jets. Robbie's obviously the heel of this episode. Oh, he's the bad guy. actually the is, but sure, we'll say nothing. There's going to be massive like Jets flags just flying about now from the Razorbacks camp. Just like, oh yeah, we're impartial here, but also we're wearing like a navy and green jersey. We're good. <laughs> but yeah, so based on uh, how the results went there during the season for you guys, what did you feel you got from your games with the Jets? Obviously, that was a very close series. Robbie mentioned the two points that, that inevitably decided the, the bowl game for the Jets. But how did you feel? Did you matched up against them? What did you feel? Like, who do you think the star players are? Who do you think, guys, that maybe we haven't represented enough? Maybe they don't get enough notice? Yeah, on the Jets side of things, yeah, it was a really tight series, as you say. We sort of we got them very early in the season. The they were actually quite good in the at the running game. Owen Delargy, the running back, was quite good. Quarterback, he moved a lot as well. From the first game to the second game, then obviously we learned a lot because we've sort of rookies. On, it was our first time as a coach and getting them our matchups right. So a, a far tighter series than I think they probably maybe expected. I was the same with the the Mavs as well. You know, we progress as long as you progress from game to game, and it was tight in the second game as well. And it would be good to see uh, Wee Declan as well, because he's just going TDs for, for fun. Now it's a wee bit uh, ridiculous, but eight having missed part of the season. So, no, I think it's going to be a really a really good matchup. And the Jets, they were great opponents. And I think that's sort of our rivalry, obviously, coming into the Razorbacks, not really knowing too much about the team, but there is definitely a Jet Razorbacks rivalry. Um, there and they were both, both great games. So if you're looking for like both those games, we can clearly see like from a defensive point of view, like in that second game against the Mavericks, you really shut them down. Like you cut their points nearly in half from the first game. What was it that you learned going against the Mavericks after game one that enabled you to pinpoint right? This is what we need to target to help stop. The, what was a pretty free-scoring offense from the Mavericks. Yeah, so their quarterback was quite good on the movement. So, so we ideally, we went into the second game, we're looking at how to shut him down and keep him contained. And that was really the, our, our successful point on the second, on the second game with them. And we were able to keep him inside and not let him uh, sweep so much of the outside, alongside with uh, a couple of new running backs. Uh, once we contained that and shut their run down, uh, kept as well in the game and unfortunately just our offense just couldn't get across the line in you know but uh we felt on both games actually against the jets on the the mavericks if you can contain the running backs to stop or sorry the quarterbacks are sweeping outside you keep yourself well in the game uh just on that as well you talked about how close games between the jets and the and the mavericks went i just wanted to make sure that we've <laughs> robbie may have been bashing you to start about missing so close but at the end of the day guys the growth of the razorbacks i should say even from 2019, your debut season to now has been astounding. Like even going into the year, we'd kind of seen from even the 2021 uh, Donahue Group Invitational Cup. And we kind of went into that and you came out 0-4 and 
things looked a bit ropey. But to be honest, guys, the 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 very quick development of your squad and and how well you've obviously how disciplined you've been at coaching. I think three of your losses were within a touchdown. Like there's obviously a really good sort of spirit in the team growing from the season you've had. Well, I think it's the sort of suntan came down and playbook that we had at the start of the season didn't probably exist until what maybe two weeks into yeah. us coming down and then with sort of like 10 weeks to sort of implement that a lot of the guys from the team that sort of Donaghy, whatever it was called, Covid Cup type thing, was the first time they'd actually ever played football. There was a lot of rookies on the team. And then there was just that sort of core group of guys that had been with the Razorbacks from the start and went out every game and got absolutely trounced. I think the team really rallied together just to get those guys um, a win because they've 100% stuck with it, completely trusted sort of what we came in to do. And I say what we came in to do, I just take pictures. But what the coaches came in today and it's just been amazing just the attitudes on the team has just completely changed and I think at the start of the season we were the wee bit of a joke and then we ended up the dark horse and now I think people are actually going actually do you know what in regards to all the teams and all the talent you have in Belfast I wouldn't mind playing for the the Razorbacks and it was really nice to have sort of people come and join the team throughout the season because they thought do you know what that's a team on the on the rise. I think from a coaching point of view there was a good basis, a good core group of lads there. The, as Lindsay uh, had said, there maybe sick of getting sort of walked over a lot. We brought structure and sort of discipline. That was the first things we brought into the club. And uh, the guys bought into the, the ideal of what, what Gareth was trying to trying to do with the, with the squad. And then there was a better squad of our nucleus of coaches come in. And then we identified where all the weaknesses were and we spent a lot, a lot of time. And the guys bought into it on the train and they worked hard on the fitness side of it and, in the, and also in the playbook side of it. And for the older guys, it was a good eye-opener as well. A completely new, fresh look at things on the actual sort of the chess game of, of uh, the playbooks and things they got there. And now they've got a real hunger for it now, you know. So we're going to definitely push on, you know. So and it was nice. One of the guys, Big Stu, actually said in the last game, I was unaware of that he turned and says this was our first winning season for the Razorbacks. And that, that made a big statement. And the guys were absolutely over the moon. And to finish the season off was such a strong defensive display was shutting the, the Giants down. And the only two points they got in the game was, was the safety. was a uh, testament to the effort that defence and stuff has been putting in. Um, now that Mark, rookie quarterback and stuff like that there, is finding his feet. He's understanding things there. Um, now the offence is now starting to click as well. So if we had another two or three games in the season, we really would have fancied ourselves to be honest. Yeah, so after like Joe going back to, to the Razorbacks and giving them some more love, uh, we're going back to the final, back to the final. That's what we got to focus on here, everyone. Uh, I'm going to be the, the real villain of, of this show, but I can try to keep it just focused on the Mavericks and the Jets. So you were saying there how, as we've seen throughout the year, both the Mavericks and the Jets have very mobile quarterbacks and that really sort of outside contain, keeping that quarterback sort of in the pocket and stopping the run can be crucial for sort of stopping that team getting going. You know, we've seen with the Mavericks, with the likes of Brendan Sims, who up until that game, up until game two against the Razorbacks, was getting the ball and was just marching straight into end zone after end zone. He even got, I think it was two, uh, two touchdowns brought back throughout the year just because they were like, this isn't fair. And he's really kind of, stopped him in his tracks and I think even after I was talking to Brandon he was surprised at 
the lack of open space in between the holes to run through. So that was something like that was really, really good. I know myself from playing against the Jets, trying to take down um, Scott McLean of the quarterback. He is so elusive and just so, so slippery. He'll just slither and slide and just worm his way around you. And you may have two hands on him. And next thing, he's still 15 yards downfield past you. So both of the teams have like quite similar style of quarterback, mobile quarterback. And I think it's, it's kind of obvious that's what both teams are going to try to shut down the exact same way that you did. But on their defensive front, so you didn't manage to exploit the Mavericks defense too much over the two games. There was 14 points uh, against the Jets. You had a lot more success. You were getting 28 points. Looking back at those games, what was it that you changed between scoring eight points against the Jets to scoring 20 points against the Jets? Was there any anything in particular that you learned? Was it like maybe they, they changed and started playing a, a 4-3 instead of a 3-4? Or were there just certain individuals that after game one, you were like, right, you pick on that corner all day long? Or was it just the way the game itself ran? From a coach's point of view, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give away our, our secrets, so to speak. I think a lot of it was more to do with the progression, actually, of our offense on the techniques, on the running plays that we introduced into the guys, more than their defense improving. I think our offense improved between the two games. That's against the Jets I'm talking about now. I think that was the difference there. They both got good defenses, so they have. They both can fairly shut down the run. It's just getting that happy balance between pass and on the running game going together. You obviously, you got to establish your running game first. But I think from, again, I'll say from a coach's perspective, the fact that we sort of progressed the, the offensive line really stepped up and improved more than anything between the two games, which we were able to try and contain and move the line a lot better. So I think, and in, in fact, that our, again, I'll go back and say, I think because our offense got better on both games, we give away a lot of penalties against the Mavs, which was our, probably our Achilles heel on the second game, was the difference between the two, but not taking any away from their, their, their defenses. They're good. They're, they're both got good swarm of defenses, so they have. Yeah, and I think that first game as well against the Jets, obviously, some of those guys on the line, you know, that was the first game they'd ever played before. So that sort of protector quarterback, but just, the O line just hadn't gelled yet. Plus, we'd free quite a few picks mm-hmm. yeah. in that first game. So it was just sort of stop throwing picks, basically, yeah. um, as well. Sort of come that second game round, we knew who not to throw that ball towards on the defense as well. So again, it was just learning throughout the. Yeah. the season and getting the guys to actually gel and work as a unit. Yeah, definitely, especially Mark being a rookie. Uh, he's, a lot, he's a lot of pressure on him and stuff like that there to do things right. So we just had to slowly bring him along and get him to understand if it's not there, then don't force it. And then if you take the, the, a loss of a couple of yards, then fine, we can live with that there rather than try and throw the pick and then their way down the field. On the first game, that's what sort of caught us out. So again, it was a progression of learning or mistakes from the first game to the second game. And then we, how, how we get on. And we're, to be honest, we're quite pleased in how the whole team performed. That's from linemen right through to the, the quarterback. And all the, as Lindsay says, there's quite a number of rookies within the club. And the, the wee lads, they're like sponges. They just want to absorb all the the, uh, the information. 
on the techniques that you show them as well. And I think a lot of people can say it's, it's one thing to sort of run the world top of people and things like that there, but technique is a great thing to teach young lads. And when they get that there, right from the base core, then it's, it's, it's a good sound base to work a whole club off of. Absolutely. No, that all sounds good. So I think it's really a big part of this this weekend between the two teams, between the Mavericks and Jets. It's really going to be one in the trenches. It's whoever can control the lines is going to bring back the medals. And it's, it's going to be that kind of a day where, you know, the stronger man is going to win. Yeah, I think if you look at that last game there that the Mavs had against uh, the Jets, Frickin' Nathan was just doing, he was doing everything. He had two rushing, he had two, what, two passing, and then he had a pick six as well. So he had an absolute dream of a day. So I think as well, like the Jets going into that, you have a QB that basically can do absolutely everything as well. And like I know the Mavericks didn't have a massive squad when we played them, and it's a team completely capable of playing Ironman football, so I don't care how many guys you're stacking up against the Mavericks as well and what rotation you have. That is a team that does not lose, doesn't lose easy. Yeah, I think over the course of the season, obviously the Mavs have been more consistent than the team, of uh, the two teams, and I think that, in my opinion, that will prove to be the difference in, in the final. When it comes to predictions then, is that a Rob leaning with the Mavericks over the Jets? It, it would be yes. Well, like unless uh, Brendan celebrates Sterling, gets a load of points taken off the board, I would also be. Uh, I'm going to be Team Mavs as well on that one. You heard it here first: the Razorbacks are Team Mavericks. <laughs> Not better at all in the slightest of them two points for sure. Not Team Mavericks. We're just fancy him to win. That's all. <laughs> Right, so I think we've got it, to be honest. The performance of Scott McLean, I've talked about him, how much he can impact the Jets so much in the course of any game. I think if he has a blinder, which he which he definitely could, then it becomes a very close game. I would still have to lean Mavericks, but am I rooting for the Jets? Perhaps, maybe. Sorry, Rob, maybe. When it comes to these bowl games and when it's two teams that could really play a close game i go to whoever has the better uniform and i do have to lean it to the jets on that side so if you get better drip for next year robbie then then we'll talk but for now i'd, I'd be supporting jets but i'd probably lean mavericks for a prediction begrudgingly yeah that's you off the wedding invite list joe but okay <laughs> <laughs> no i think uh, we all know where i'm gonna go uh blooded in for yeah. the mavericks 12 years ago at the stage and as I've said here before, there's only one way out and I ain't going to take it just yet. So I am going to be firmly behind the Mavericks and will most likely also be lining out for them. So I think uh, <laughs> that's where it's going to be for me. Lindsay, Robbie, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. We are all looking forward immensely to going up to New Forge. I've heard through the grapevine that there is going to be stormtroopers, military vehicles, uh a food festival nearly going ahead as well. Is any of this confirmed? Right. Well, there's definitely stormtroopers. I heard it on the grapevine say that there might be a few ghostbusters as well. And then, yeah, we've got the military vehicles coming down. I'm hoping there's a tank because that would be quite good. Food-wise, there is like, there's like the biscuit box uh, food cart. It's down. We've got Marty Kasky coming up from the Knights to do a bit of commentary as well so it's nice we've had loads of different teams involved celtic kicks they are sponsoring like sort of like an mvp voucher so play well 
and I supplements are hitting us up with some protein. We've got Avonmore protein milk, which are supplying like after game protein for everyone as well. So no, it should be a really, really good day. And then we're running our raffle uh, for Women's Aid as well. So there are two pairs of the Aer Lingus College Classic tickets up for grabs. We have like a Notre Dame vintage jersey, which Jerseyaholic kindly donated as well. And there's lots of vouchers and stuff to be won. So it should be a really good day. And it's to be sunny. So that's the most important thing. That's it. Yeah. Long as good weather. And look, good weather plus a load of great prizes for, well, is it £2 uh, a ticket for the raffle? Yeah, so it's £2 a ticket. We're old school. We're going with ballots. So if you do donate on the Just Given, so it's Just Given slash NI Razorbacks, and you should find it there. Just message up the Razorbacks page and I will allocate you a ballot uh, number because I wasn't savvy enough to work out how to do it online. But there we go. So great. Uh, guys, again, Robbie said it already. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for hosting. And it looks like it's going to be a great event to come and watch, not just to be a part of as a player, but it looks like you've got a lot going on on the outside to keep everybody entertained and involved for the entire day. Because we do uh, we do recognize that it's going to be a long day of football. There's two games going on. But if you stick around and, and have a look at everything going on, by the sounds of things, it's going to be a great day. So fair play for arranging uh, all that. Not a problem at all. And hopefully next year we, we will be in it. Thank you. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for coming on. Cheers, guys. Okay. Bye. So, Joe, like I think we went through it all there. It's going to be a fantastic day. Although I don't think that they've really thought it through fully. They're going to have tanks there. There is also going to be an influx of lads from Dundalk, Mullingar and Limerick. I don't think House and Safety would pass this, you know, in a normal day-to-day event. But if a tank does go missing, there's going to be a lot of suspects. They are checking every ID that's going in. So I feel like they would have a bit of a leg up as to who maybe took it. I feel like when I go in and they see my surname, they might be a little bit more suspicious of me than anybody else. But we'll sweep that under the rug and and keep quiet about that. (laughs) You run the decoy and then the rest of us will just sweep on in. Exactly, exactly. Uh, with that, guys, we'll move on to the Division 1 bowl game preview. Obviously, the Westmead Minotaurs and UL Vikings. So for this part of the podcast, we will bring in the Kildare Crusaders uh, PRO and player, obviously, uh, Nathan Mango. Mango Mangan. So I'll bring it on there. Before we go here, are we are we going with Mango or are we going with Nathan? What's... Go with is Mango. There, is there a privilege to go with Mango? It's, or it's there... Mango. Mango is is the... I, I find it weird at this point when I'm called Nathan, to be Call honest. Na- so, yeah. <laughs> right. Lovely stuff. So, obviously, the Crusaders have had a pretty good season, obviously, coming up from Division 2 from the 2019 season when uh, you guys won the Division 2 Bowl. And then coming up then, first season back in Division 1, obviously, the kind of the big elephant in the room for Division 1 is the two teams having to drop out midway through the season. So had we been able to play a full season, how do you reckon that would have, have shaped out for both for the Crusaders and for the division as a whole? Yeah, it certainly would have made it uh, quite interesting because you would have had two very competitive teams consistently in there. And it certainly made it a little bit frustrating. You know yourself, Joe, as to those frustrations. Mm-hmm. We would have loved to have had the opportunity to play the Eagles. Um, it's always a, a team that has been long recognized in the league and is very well respected 
but unfortunately they're having their things and we obviously wish wish them the best and we want to see them coming back. Trinity, we had a battle with Trinity in Newbridge and they've got some seriously good players amongst that team, but it was just obviously the timings were starting to to get on the, the end of them. When the, the college season or when the college terms finishes up, we we often see it. When you only see only realised yesterday that UCD getting their it was only their first ever playoff win, for example. So it is difficult when we realise just how those college teams, it's great to have them involved, but they can have the difficulties just as much as every other club across the, the league as well. That's it. It is it is a bit of an issue like for again, strictly for Trinity from what we've been able to witness the last few years now. So especially once that once that kind of end of college term comes around, it does become very difficult for them to put up a team. Obviously you hope going forward and you know maybe they'll approach uh, recruitment and stuff like that going into the season uh, a little bit differently next year so that hopefully they can have as close to a full team as possible going into June and in July and you know maybe early August depending on how the season works out next year. But you're right, it definitely has had an impact on how the season has shaped out. Obviously, with two teams dropping out, it, it kind of made the playoff picture a bit redundant. And obviously, then you have teams, how hard are they playing and stuff like that. But it was good to see that just because teams had a playoff place locked up, it didn't mean that you guys took your foot off the pedal at all. In fact, I'd argue that you, you stepped it up even more. Like you came into the Mullingar game, obviously that resulted uh, go your way, but you come out of that with a really big win against the Vipers in Newbridge at the end of the season, 24-8. And I think, am I right in saying the Vipers touchdown was right at the end of the game as well? Yeah, that's correct. It was We had just done a, a goal line stance as well. Uh, the defense had held out, and then from the resulting punt, they were able to to get themselves down just on the last play. So it was certainly as the season progressed, we got together more as a team. And it, the Minotaurs game, I think, was probably the Kickstarter from that, because we obviously, having our first game being up in Derry, it was probably the worst possible start. From myself, I always look at it as quite a bad day. You having to start at half seven in the morning and getting up there. And it didn't help when I, I ended up having two lads come down on top of me and nearly having my head taken off. So it was a long day and it probably played into our mentality a little bit because we are a very young team. Like our age range of guys, we, eldest player goes right up to 55, but we had another few guys who were doing their leave insert this year. So it's quite a range and a lot of them, it was their first day out in that day up in, up in Derry. And as the season progressed, it was definitely a case of just having that little bit more understanding of the game. And even there was players who came back during the season as well. There was Johnny, uh, of course, our chairman, who came back, Robbie Ty even, um, came out of retirement as well for the final two games. Uh, Aaron Kelly, who's a very experienced player, has been playing for numerous years. He came back and even got a pick against the Vipers. And of course, uh, Andre Erasmus, or Hondo, as he's known as, uh, one of the most explosive defensive ends and 
criminally underrated realistically for just the power and speed that he has. So they were four experienced players that we were able to bring in near the end of the season. And just having that leadership and knowledge on the pitch was really useful coming that end of the season. And you could definitely feel, I know from the, the Minotaurs game, even though it was a tough loss and you guys deservedly won that day, we definitely felt that it was much more of a team performance that people were coming together. Even though we had our QB2 was out that day and there was a few, we had a few turnovers in that, but it, in other days at the start of the season, the defense would have been coming out with their heads down. Offense would have been the same. We just kept going. And it was kind of a case of that was the first day where you could just really believe that the lads were buying into this. And it obviously came all the more when we got to Donegal Derry. I don't think probably the proudest moment of our season was that goal line stance and seeing that defense because those guys had had difficult days with the the Vikings, of course, was the, the shootout, conceding 47 points and all that. To then have a goal line stance like that, it was just, you could see the pride in, in the guys' faces coming off. And it was really important to have in that team mentality and of course every time when we do our huddle family is the call and as the season progressed it became more apparent that family was who the Galera Crusaders are. You said something there about keep pushing on and, and keep driving and that kind of determination really came through in your games against Limerick you already said about the regular season game that shootout 39-47 that was the highest scoring game of the year and you said about the defense coming together and and really kind of getting that extra bit of experience in and knowing what to do, when to do it. And that really came through in that the playoff game, you know, holding them to, to three touchdowns, 21-18 final score. What was the difference in, in those two games that you feel, uh, you know, how, how did it play out and, and uh, what did maybe yourselves do different? What did Limerick do different? And what was the feel of the game afterwards from you guys overall? I think it was, we probably looked more towards short-term goals so we looked at pretty much straight after the Minotaurs game we automatically realized the whole situation regarding the playoffs and it was the fact that if we bet the Vipers we were going to have another game with UL and especially after the way the first game had gone we had a serious belief that we could go through we could definitely even though the season hadn't up to that point been the way we wanted it it was still very much in our hands and we just really had to reassure ourselves of that and once we got through that vipers game we were fully set for ul and we knew that they are a very good team and they've got some great young players and of course their pass rush as an offensive lineman that pass rush is seriously good both teams their pass rushes on sunday is going to be seriously he to it I was even talking to coach Ryan during the week and he, we both agreed that it's going to be really busy days for the offensive lines this Sunday and we probably didn't have the greatest start on that game they got a touchdown on their very first play and we essentially did have to keep going they got another touchdown shortly after with the Glen Carr doing a fridge Perry esque kind of thing one yard out just pull straight through and 
we kind of made our way then and shortly after the the two minute warning when we still just had that mentality we, there was only one 15 or something left and Jordan Farrell the QB of course he said straight away lads we're not going off this field without a touchdown and first play we go with a, a running back draw just open up the field and Luke who we've seen the speed of course but he took it to another level straight away 75 yards and obviously I wasn't too happy with it as a as an offer it was great to see as an offensive <laughs> line but trying to get down 75 yards is pretty difficult for us but it was such brilliant it was really good to get that full field of a drive and then in the third quarter as you could see more that UL were going for it they they really sensed that it, they had an opportunity. Both of us did. We both knew that if we were going to win this game, we needed to make a push. And that was when they really went with their heavy set on the defensive line against us and put pressure on Jordan. And we kind of probably reacted to that slightly too late. And then when we did, we got a little bit more control and we got our touchdown down at the end and we made it a little bit interesting certainly that it the game had to come down to the last play and that's a testament really to to both teams it was for such a hot day as well for both teams to have to play in that it was the best game that i've been a part of anyway unfortunately we didn't come out the the way we wanted but i have to commend limerick and they're a great bunch of lads and they're going to be a, a really good team against the minotaurs of course uh, as we saw, like you know, that game you've had, the two games you've had against the the Vikings, they were ridiculously close encounters. As you said, the one against the Minotaurs just didn't really sort of go the way he's needed it to go. And no, Jordan was out of that game; he was away. Do you feel from having lined up against both of them, despite both of them having phenomenal pass rushes, that if we were to take the Crusaders kind of as the baseline of how each team is going to rank their proximity to the Vikings and pushing the Vikings all the way, but yet not being able to hang with the Minotaurs. Would you say then that the Minotaurs, despite their loss to the Vikings are still maybe the the better team? Or do you feel that if Jordan had been there for you on the day against the Minotaurs, that that scoreline would have been a lot closer and possibly even, you know, uh, a Crusaders win? Yeah, there's definitely no taking away from the fact that when you have a QB1 who's consistently been training with your team, that he's going to have an effect on it. It'd be the same that if Joe wasn't going to be around for the Minotaurs. It's a very different game plan. And you have to try to set yourself for it. But the Minotaurs just have so many seriously good players throughout. Like, they're, I know everyone talks about... Obviously, Peter Dempsey getting seven interceptions or eight, I think, was after the semi-final. Yeah. But in general, their secondary is incredible. Like when you've got guys like Peter Lacey and James Owens, James Owens is one of the toughest cornerbacks in the country and he does not get the, th- the, the talk. And of course, their own defensive line as well, who, by the way, are some of the nicest lads going, which is weird face with some really nice defensive ends. It's strange, but... When you've got big guys there like Gordo, Nally, King, Tempo, like they're all going for it. But 
it makes it di- life difficult. But there are so many seriously good players. And I think as well with, if I was to actually put the teams together, I would think the Minotaur's offense has just got that little bit more of a variety to it. And because you have that receiver core in the Minotaurs, which we all know of, with Jack, Sean and Alan, three very good receivers consistently. And I think for the Vikings, they rely very heavily on the screen kind of plays. Kieran Gilhul does them very well consistently, but I think there's just a little bit more variety in the Minotaur's offense. And if they can get that rolling on Sunday, I think that could be a big key to them potentially winning. I don't want to ask a question on the back of that being like, oh yeah, the, the Minotaur's offense is so good. I feel like that'd be a bit, <laughs> a bit unfair. Uh, you, actually, you actually just jogged my memory there, Mango, that, that Minotaur's-Vikings game. Certain Mr. Kinnan decided to end up in hospital during the first quarter and they didn't have QB1 and sort of the, the effect that that did have for them. So yeah, no, from, from all you've said, I, I'm, I'm feeling that you're leaning towards the Minotaurs coming out with a win this weekend. What sort of aspects do you feel that both teams need to focus in on in order to you know maximize their chances of success? I think after hearing about the Division 2 bowl, there's a lot of similarities between both games. And I think the key part to this is going to be the trenches in that the O-lines against both of those D-lines, there's going to be seriously heavy formations going. There's going to be six, five, six defensive men going every time. Of course, uh, Robert uh, Brown like had a serious game against you guys the last day. They've got some seriously good guys as well. And it's going to be a big thing as to how the offensive lines are going to react against them. If they can, can give Joe and Kieran enough time in the pocket to make those plays, this could be a seriously good game. And we could end up it's been weird in Division 1 this year that it's probably been quite low scoring since consistently. But both teams have got a lot of potential to actually put in some serious efforts on the offense. And you never know, you could see a big score going on Sunday. So we're going to push you now for a result and a scoreline. <laughs> push me right out. I think if the Minotaurs line themselves up correctly, I think the Minotaurs are going to come out of this and I think it's going to be about 30-27. Good tight scoring. Joe's still happy with the win. Uh, Mango, no, seriously, thank you for, for coming along. Like it's it's always good to get sort of a non-biased insight into weekend's action. I know, as we've said it so often, it's kind of why we wanted to get the likes of yourself and then Lindsay and Robbie on this show. As not saying that me and Joe would be biased in any way, but the public like to hear new voices. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's great having people continue to show our league and let it grow. And we got to sell these kind of, these are our games. This is what we are playing for. So it's two big weekends coming up and this is the one that we were playing for at the start. And I'm slightly jealous after hearing all the plans that's going on from what the, the Razorbacks have set up. And there was quite a few players who, who played in that 2019 season who said just how good of a pitch and a setup they have up there. So I'm quite jealous not to be out on that pitch this Sunday. Um, but 
of course, I think there's going to be two great teams and I look forward to, to facing whoever comes through in, in both of them next season. Brilliant. Um, uh, Robbie, I'll push you for a prediction while I'm at it now. Since I gave mine for Division 2, I think it's only fair you get to voice your opinion for this game. This oh, is going to be well, like Vikings 41-3. Well, Joe. No, like, I'll be honest, I haven't had the opportunity to see the Vikings live in action. We're just seeing sort of highlights and snippets as we've went along through the year, uh, as opposed to what I've got to see from the Minotaurs. And I've, I've went to war myself many a time with the Minotaurs, some of the guys still in in that squad. I know what they're about. I know what they can do. Um, I would, I, I'd have faith in them. I feel that a full-strength Minotaurs team, still going back to that final that you didn't win where he's had like he's played a great game but at the end of the day he's still were in division one after it i feel that this is the opportunity that you will take to get to the to the premier division get to the sbc and as much as i i would love limerick to to get through as well there can only be one winner and i Despite my better judgment, I'm I'm gonna go with the Minotaurs. Like that, I'd say it will be a tight scoring game, but I would push it to under fifty points total. Under fifty points. Okay, so we've got a thirty twenty seven, we've got an under fifty points. I'll take the over on the fifty points. I think as good as two the both defenses can be, I think both offenses have shown the ability to just pop the fuck off. That's going to get us demonetized. Um, <laughs> I mean, both offenses have scored 30 or more points at least once this season. They have both scored at least 40 or more points at least once this season. Yeah, it could be a very high-scoring game. All I know is that I would love to be a spectator and have none of the pressure at all because I'm sure both games actually... I think both games are genuinely going to be really, really tightly contested. And I'm sure there'll be both spectacles to watch. So a great two weeks of football coming up between Division 1, Division 2, doubleheader, and the Shamrock Bowl on August 7th, which we'll preview in the next episode. Plug, plug, plug. Great to see that even, again, as you said, how the season hadn't started the way you wanted, that everybody on that team just seemed to be like, no, we're not taking this for uh, and, and being happy with it. We're going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And it ended up coming three points away from being in the in the bowl game. Like so, um, it's great to see the the fight from a team that came up just from came up from Division Two. And I'm sure that next season, whether we'll be in that division with you or not, we don't know yet. But I'm sure either way that uh, the Crusaders are going to have a mighty old time in the field. So thanks so much for coming on. Thanks very much, lads. Yeah, I know like, that's been possibly one of my favourite episodes there, Joe. Hopefully everyone here listening like feels the same way. It's it's always good when we can get players who aren't ourselves on this show. It just gives you a whole new perspective and sort of you know what they've seen and, and how they feel the games are gonna gonna go. Anyone who is available or free on, on this Sunday and would like to watch a bit of football, get yourself up to New Forge. Like like we've heard, it's going to be a fantastic day. Um, there's going to be tanks, as promised by Lindsay. 
there's going to be stormtroopers, there's going to be food, and all the money raised from from the day is going to a good cause. Absolutely, yeah. So if you go on to the Razorback socials, they have all their links there. They have a load of posts promoting what they have up uh, for, for grabs on prizes and stuff like that. The link to donate is uh, justgiving.com slash fundraising slash NI Razorbacks. So £2.00. Uh, donation gets you one raffle ticket and again as Lindsay said just get in touch with them they're doing a, a ballot style and they'll give you a number for that uh, just make sure guys as well if you're going to be going down just a bit of a, a PSA as well that the new Forge sports complex does ask for a photo ID so don't be offended don't be taking that the wrong way it's just they want to know who's coming in so just have that prepared before you go in but yeah it looks like it's going to be a great day again hopefully the sun's shining and we get five to six hours of of really competitive football bowl games at the end of the day you know these uh this time of year is always very exciting and like you said robbie i think just previewing all this and and getting to hear different teams perspectives it's, it's really been i think and you think as well uh, a great episode so we hope you've enjoyed too and i am looking forward to having a nice cold one with you joe after the game and with the both of us with gold medals around our necks Absolutely. And just so we're not excluding anybody, if you would like to get pictures with myself or Rob, we will be doing a Q&A afterwards. It'll be 20 euro per picture and uh, I'll sign something for a tenner as well. So cash, <laughs> preferably Revolut, also acceptable. Absolutely. Can't be doing this cash stuff. What? Oh, I'll take cash. I'll take them crisp Northern banknotes any day of the week. Pay, anyway, pay me in Pete's bars. That's, that's how you can pay me. We better leave before Kelly really kills us. Yes. So from all here at the domestic game, we've been your hosts. What did I say? I was at the start of the episode. Kevin Hart. And I'm Robbie Caldwell. Peace. Peace.